Welcome to episode 158, an emergency edition of the Winning Six podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as usual is my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. The backstroke's up here. We I don't. I don't even know what that was. There's the Bucks don't stop here <laughs> song in my froggy uh, falsetto. No, that's not falsetto. The vibrato. I'm just glad you told us in real words what that was because it wasn't <laughs> easily distinguishable otherwise. I'm was guessing the fact that really? you're you started the podcast by singing, which I believe is a first. Oh yeah, I assumed the hello. This is big, big news. So you're kind of excited. Yeah, it's a big day in Milwaukee Bucks land. There, over yonder, that is State Street, where Bangle is. Okay, let me steer this in some sort of direction so that we actually get to talk about today's news. After over two weeks since... News first emerged that the Bucks were among the teams reportedly interested in then Phoenix Suns guard Eric Bledsoe. Early on Tuesday morning, Adrian Wojnarowski with Zach Lowe, both of ESPN, reported that Eric Bledsoe was headed for Milwaukee. After a 17-minute break that, I mean, I sweated through with all of the Bucks fan base not named Jordan Tresky, who was fast asleep at the time, the details of the trade itself started to trickle through ultimately the books traded Greg Monroe a highly protected first round pick uniquely protected uniquely protected first round pick and a protected second round pick as well for Eric Bledsoe to lead off with the details of those picks in 2018, the Suns get the Bucks pick if it falls between 11 to 16. In 2019, they get it if it falls within 4 to 16. In 2020, they get it if it falls in the 8 to 30 range. In 2021, that pick will be unprotected. For the second round pick, if it falls 48 to 60. In this year's draft, the books will not convey the pick. Complex, 
but in a way that we're maybe not so used to with the books. Generally, protections in books trades for us mean the books have given away an actual basketball player for a top 55 protected pick. These are intriguing protections that really could work out quite nicely for the books. In pretty simple terms, if the books make the playoffs this year and next year, they're not going to convey that first round pick until 2020. That's good news. It means not only did the books get Eric Bledsoe, but with the natural kind of tightening up of resources that that leads to in the next couple of years, they do still have means to add contributors around the fringes of their roster with first-round draft picks in the next two years. Overall, what is your reaction to the trade? Swoop! Swoop! They swooped him! Is this this more than the herd swooped the Salt Lake City Stars? Uh, well, they also swooped the real real Grand Valley Vipers. Congrats to the herd. First of all, I was riding high on that victory. That was pretty cool. Anyway, back to the trade. Um, (laughs) The reason why everybody's tuning in to this, I just hijack it and become a herd podcast. Um, they swooped the Suns. They swooped them. (laughs) That's plain and simple. I feel bad for Greg Monroe. Opt into his player option. Gets dealt what, nine games into the season and is heading for the the tumbleweeds in the desert that is Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, anyway, I, 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 they didn't have to give up Malcolm. Didn't have to give up Thon. Didn't have to give up any other significant asset. They got Eric Jabari. Bledsoe. They didn't have to give up Jabari, yes. Um, this is a plus deal. This is a positive for the Bucks. This is a talent upgrade obviously there are questions over his health which i think the more the barrier at this point <laughs> but um this is undoubtedly a win this is a huge this is a this is horse i mean he obviously had the draft and resetting tony snell but this is the big first move of the horse era and congrats that's a that's a steal of a deal that's a, a steal of a deal yeah, it, it is a hell of a trade. To talk about Greg Monroe briefly before we do move on to, to more of the trade, because you brought it up. I don't, did you see that Sporting News video of Greg Monroe at practice? I did. It's a tough watch. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen, there is video footage of the moments just after Greg Monroe was likely told that he was being traded, sitting alone at the side of the court, removing his book's training jersey, and thinking about all of the hellish nights he's probably going to have in Phoenix until a probable buyout comes later in the season. I think from a from a books fan's point of view, for any books fans who have enjoyed and kind of appreciated what Greg Monroe has done, particularly in the last 12 months or so, the hope would be that he gets bought out and gets to go and play on the kind of playoff contender that he wanted. And really, that might be the best of both worlds for a Monroe this season. If he could have a few months on an awful Suns team, where he can put up numbers, really impress, maybe get some starters minutes again. And in a way where it's not just going to be, oh, he's bringing the starting lineup down. I'm not sure anything can bring the sudden starting lineup down any further now. Moose would have an opportunity to really go to work there. And then if later in the year, Baya was agreed to, perhaps he goes and gets a chance to play for a really good team and show his work in the playoff setting again. So... Maybe this is the best route for him getting a relatively lucrative deal, 
as much as centers in his mold tend to get now next summer. I mean, it was clear from the constant trade talk that the books probably weren't going to be bringing him back next year. We can now say that with great confidence. Yeah. He was just salary filler in this deal from a book's perspective, because for everything they're going to lose at him in the interim between now and the end of the season, he was going to be gone anyway, because if the books were playing one of paying one of their two free agents next summer, it was going to be Jabari Parker. So from that point of view, there will be a loss in certain departments certain obvious departments that we'll probably get to later on from trading Greg Monroe right now. But in being able to use him as something that counts towards an asset or even just gives you the necessary salary to go and get a player of Eric Bledsoe's caliber, it really is a home run. I mean, the questions will come down the line. We'll see how Bledsoe looks when he when he comes in in Milwaukee, how he fits in, how quickly he adjusts to the defense, whether he recaptures his own defensive performance levels of old, whether his shot is an issue, the injuries with his knees could become an issue. But I think for as much as down the line, we could come back to rue a lot of those things. Right now, it's it's very hard to dispute. It's something that I know you in particular have always been adamant on, is that the opportunities for the books to add talent were going to be kind of pretty few. Like, it's easy to say that, oh, you know, a couple of years from now, let's wait till 2020, and then we'll add something around Giannis. 2020 could come, you might have very little cap space as is, there might be, the right option might present itself in terms of trades. And that's what so much of this is. That's how Oklahoma City got Paul George. That's how the Timberwolves got Jimmy Butler. It's just a matter of, okay, you can't wait and say the timing isn't necessarily right. If a player who you feel could work with what you're building playing at a very high level, becomes available, and even better in this case, if he becomes available at what's essentially a knockoff price, you've just got to go and make the deal. And I don't know if any of us really had faith in the books going to make a deal like that without doing something that we would all feel instantly uncomfortable with. But they did it. I mean, the only way I think you could criticize this deal is if you're to say, oh, well, I wish they traded uh, Matthew Delvadova and... <laughs> Or um, John Henson, Rashad Vaughn on a pick for Eric Bledsoe. That, that is really dream stuff, though. I mean, that, that was yeah. never an option. They were the sort of things that are being thrown out by a lot of books Twitter in recent weeks. That is fantasy. I mean, this is incredibly cheap. This is low value. But you still have to give someone who can play, isn't expiring. That's two positives for Monroe and then the picks. I, I guess the real magic in this deal comes from the way the picks have been protected. Because, you know, the picks picks are important to every NBA team now, more so than ever. But there will come a certain point where, you know, the books have less value for them. The books, we are all hoping, are building toward a point where they would have been using picks to make deals in the first place. Well, if, for example, if it is 2020, two more years, you go, okay, we can add in whatever kind of players we need. We have the options there. We can look at our draft and say, we know that's coming down the line, that's going to go, but we can still build our roster with other pieces in, in the meantime. I think that's the best solution. Because, I mean, likely, you would think, having now added Eric Bledsoe to the existing core, this is going to be a playoff team the pick won't convey this year. Yep, It's in the book's interest to be able to add first-round talent 
to Eric Bledsoe in the summer. You know what I mean? So you get another year with this group with another first-round contributor in. The importance of developing DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown goes through the roof. The importance of developing Ton Maker now may be one of the very biggest questions in the organization. But that in itself says a lot because you've got Malcolm Brogdon, you've got Ton, you've got those two rookies. You're not having Rashad Vaughn, unfortunately. Because he hasn't amounted to anything, but you're building something out of a lot of those rookies you've had. And if you can continue that with this year's pair and do that with possibly your next two first round picks, well, then you're still in a good position, regardless of what you do with your Barry Parker this summer. What happens when Eric Bledsoe hits free agency again? What happens beyond that when Chris Middleton hits free agency? The time is going to come where the books were going to be without a pick. I think they're best served with that being two years down the line. So, to have manufactured a deal that gets them more talent now without having the ultimate kind of cost of the deal pay off until 2020 is just about as good as it gets for me. Agreed. And we have to remember too, there are reports that the Suns are trying to, to, you know, uh, deal away uh, Tyson Chandler. That's a big salary. And that's an aging guy. We talked about it when uh, the Bledsoe rumors kind of surfaced. I didn't, Personally, I did not want any part of Chandler and his money. That's yeah. That would just be another albatross on the on the team's cap sheet with you know questionable <laughs> questionable uh, mistakes already on there. Like that would just add to it, and it just didn't make sense to me. You're getting Bledsoe, and obviously, as we both said, there is inherent risk. There's risk no matter what, and give you away picks. It's not it's not the greatest thing, but there's enough protection here where they kind of cover their own behind, if you will, um, to kind of mitigate that risk. And for me, that works. And regard to Chandler, I mean, we did talk about this before. I wrote about it, and anyone who wants to can go. You'll be able to find it pretty easily on Behind the Book Pass. But the point that both of us would make with that is his age and his salary as a combination is just brutal. I mean, it's not something you want to add. And I, I understand that some Bucks fans right now will be going, well, our center rotation is Tom Aker, John Henson. We could do it under a center. The team is the worst in the league in rebounding, and they're getting worse with this trade. Why would you not want Tyson Chandler? Because I think the most important thing they have done with this is not take anything back with Bledsoe. Because Tyson Chandler, you know what? Maybe if Tyson Chandler did have something left in the tank. I, I think this is debatable personally. But let's say he does... And he could come in and give you good rebounding, good minutes at the center position. This this kind of point in his career, maybe give you one year of that. I think that would be the absolute maximum you'd get. The cost would absolutely be Jabari Parker, and there wouldn't be a question about it. You know, you wouldn't offload all of the contracts you need, or if you if you ended up doing that, you would be paying multiple first round picks to get off, say Henson or Delvadova or Toledovich, to then create room for that. And you are then manufacturing a situation where, you know what, maybe to keep Jabari, you'd be paying Jabari X amount, you'd have Bledsoe, two guys who could injure their knees at any, any time, you may have given up more first-round picks, and all for what? To have Tyson Chandler plug a rebounding gap kind of in the interim. It made no sense. So for the Bucks with their dire cap situation, to have managed to bring a player of Bledsoe's caliber back in, and Make no mistake about this. Bledsoe in the East now, like if he's 
in good shape and the past two weeks haven't taken too much out of a season and he could stay healthy he's a potential all-star in the eastern conference like that that is the caliber of player we're talking about bring someone like that in without parting with a malcolm brogdon a ton maker any of your young assets and not taking anything back it's just as good as it gets and i think for as much as circumstance could make us look at this down the line and go look that trade didn't work out. I don't think it would ever be right to say it's a bad trade. I think that's kind of sealed today. This was a good trade, a good trade to make. The books and all of us have no control over how the impact of it will ultimately play out. But it was a deal they needed to make. And so many books fans are already concerned about, you know, timelines and uh, the clock ticking on Yanis and his future. Although by the day every piece of information that comes out around Giannis should just make you feel more comfortable, more confident about the chances of him re-signing on a, on a future deal with the books. But I think as a fan base, as fans, as writers, as whatever you are, any observer of the book, you can't be, you can't be worried about Giannis and about what happens to him longer term. And then also criticize the books for making a deal, which is getting him help and potentially getting him help on both ends of the floor. That's what this does. So you're getting your best player help. You're not giving up a whole lot for it. I think it's also worth noting, uh, maybe it's something we'd explore more detail later point, but like we're talking about Chris Middleton right now, and so Chris Middleton's early season struggles. If Bledsoe comes in and can be a reliable second option, that means less pressure on Chris Middleton, more open shots. He's probably going to play better again. It means. When Jabari Parker comes back, if you have Middleton, Jabari, Bledsoe, and Yanis on the floor, I mean, there's so many guys that opposing teams will have to will have to think about. I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a books team that would be as kind of option laden as some of the lineups they'd be able to try out later in the year. Like it's gonna be something very, very different from a books perspective to watch. And the chance came their way and they've taken it. I think in the moment, all we can do is praise the books and praise John Horse for that. Will it fix everything? Mm, that's a different question. And very, with the, way, very with the way the season has started, I mean, we have seen that Giannis Antetokounmpo playing at an MVP level doesn't necessarily fix everything. So this doesn't mean the season's turned around. The books are going to win 63 games and are in with a real chance of winning a championship this year. But it is a move that's continuing with bold intentions looking forward and a move that really just has the potential to pay off in a big way. They're now making the moves that if everything goes right, you will be champions rather than waiting and hoping what you have is enough. So we're happy. We're excited. I think it's about as good as we could have felt about this deal in any sort of realistic sense. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I, I don't know, it's just, it's one of those weird moments where, for me, it didn't settle in until, like, kind of a couple hours later when I was writing about Greg Monroe departing. And I was like, oh, this is going to be really exciting. And again, it does not paper over the cracks that are currently uh, uh, present tactically, uh, to put that in a very, uh, uh, I guess, I don't know, neutral way. but um. This is the talent upgrade that 
we have been asking for. We we already saw through the start, the Bucks are thin. The Bucks are thin out there through their bench, and they're thin at what kind of game game changing playmaking options. Eric Bledsoe helps that in a big way. I'm really interested in what the starting lineup looks like from now on. Uh, bar or say for tonight where he's not going to join the team. Uh, I'd say I'd say for beyond tonight. I'd say yeah. I'd say it will be a little while before everything plays out and we get a real sense of what it's going to be. But we'll get to that in a second. We're going to move on to a jam-packed mailbag. You have sent us in damn all of your questions. And we're going to we're going to answer them. Today for celebration, we're going to answer your questions. Start out with at Metastic. This is an old callback, but Matt wants to know, so is Greg Monroe finally worth more to the books than Kansas is to the United States? <laughs> um, I mean, he's in terms not, of this trade, in terms of this is, trade. Is Kansas works. Eric Bledsoe? We'll leave that for others to decide without saying anything disparaging about Kansas. Ambiguous. We, we love everyone. Everyone, yes. every state, every country. Um, of course, Philadelphia is excluded in terms of places we love, but everywhere else. Your words, not mine. <laughs> they're, they're my words. So if there's Bucks fans listening in Philly, you're okay. It's just those those Sixers people you mix with. From Alex underscore Kang 023. Fleeced or not? It feels like a fleecing. Did the Bucks fleece the Suns, Jordan? I am very perplexed from the Suns' point of view. I we saw a couple of days ago. I think it was Chris ESPN's Chris Haynes reported Sunday that, or actually no, either him or Shams. I can't remember Shams Sharani of the Vertical. They reported that Bledsoe was invited back to the practice facility. I mean, that was just a weird. The whole thing is a today weird was the day he was to return, though. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that is true. So. I don't know. I don't understand. We talked about this before where they obviously Ryan McDonough uh, beautifully uh, declared that he will not be playing for the Suns anymore, but they still had a position of leverage where a team like the Bucks or even the Nuggets are kind of in the same spot. I think they're five and five or five and six. Can't remember. They could have easily outbid each other and try to, you know, get the best deal of teams that are kind of, you don't even need them to outbid each other, though, Jordan, because they make this deal today. The Bucks are on a three-game yeah. losing streak. They're playing Cleveland tonight, San Antonio on Friday. How about you wait till Saturday morning and then see what the Bucks are prepared to put in? Like, you know, it's so early in the season. The Bucks could easily go on a skid for another week and still could do after this trade. It's just wait because all you're looking for is one team to overreact to something. And I said this all along. I think the Bucks probably will lose in Cleveland, will lose in San Antonio, and will still be fine overall in, the, in terms of the season. They may not be as good as everyone wanted them to be, but I think they'll be fine. Yet you don't know how that's going to sit with inside kind of the war room in Milwaukee. They may be thinking, okay, this is a big problem. We've lost five straight. We're already three games below 500. They would be at that point. We need to go. You know, that's if you're the Suns. That could be just a little bit of panic that gets you a Malcolm Brogdon out of this deal. Or a thon. And they didn't wait. They just said, okay, let's do it now. So from that point of view, you it's have not even to just say... The player, it's not even just a player thing. It's agreeing to those unique protections. 
which I mean, from the Bucks' perspective, that's on them. That that's they were. I mean, I just don't understand. I really don't understand. I, I, I think uh, if the books had just gone back to them and said, uh, or if they'd gone back to the books and said, no, but we'll do the deal if it's lottery protected first, the books would have said, okay, because that's covering themselves if something goes wrong. And I think probably both sides would have been happy, but it goes as far as even the top 47 protection on the second round pick. What are you doing if you're the Suns and agreeing to that? Like, at that point, you have the player that the other team wants. The Suns didn't pick up the phone and go, we want to make a deal for Greg Monroe. How can we do that? So, you know, at that point, you've got to be going, what are we talking about here? We just, just give us the second round pick. Give us the second round pick and we've got a deal. Instead of going, okay, top 47. Maybe, maybe I'm being unfair here and I should be giving Ryan McDonough credit for negotiating down from top 53 protected to top 47 protected. But it's just very strange. And we did touch on this at the time. Um, actually, it was in our season previews. The Suns drafting history has been truly awful in recent years. That's Yeah, I was going to make that same point. Like, I understand, like, if the whenever the pick conveys, Bucks fans are going <laughs> to crow about it no matter what. Because that's what we do. We are very irrational and insecure. But the Suns, look at, I, I mean... They have some promising players, but I don't see an all-star in the bunch. They've got Devin Booker. That's all. They've, I mean, the other things are all unproven. Every single other piece they have on their roster is unproven. Let's, let's, let's also caveat with but Devin Booker was just drafted two years ago. Like We're still at early stages, but early returns for guys like Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender has had injury troubles. Personally, don't find them to be that impressive. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, Ryan McDonough... I don't really know what he's doing at the moment, generally. So in this case, hey, I mean, keep doing what you're doing, Ryan. If you want to get on the phone and take some more book salary, let's get talking. Uh, the next one from Joe Ossendorf. Over under 18 minutes for Delhi once Bledsoe is starting. Under. Down yeah. under. Yeah, I think it's under too. Um, like this, this deal does mean that another deal is going to come at some point in the season. And... It's very difficult to see how that deal wouldn't be Delhi. I mean, even if they wanted to move John Henson, which I mean they probably won't because they have no other centers. It's him and Don. Mirza, you've only got one extra year of his contract after that. And in terms of the roster, he he fills a need. You know, they need depth at the four. They need a shooting four. He still makes sense. Delhi and the amount of money you're now paying Delhi behind Bledsoe, behind Malcolm Brogdon, that is the contract that now makes the least sense on the books roster. And, and it, it goes over one year after Brogdon's free agency. Right. Which is that's like you, you're not gonna want you're not gonna want Brogdon gone and Delhi still around. Exactly. So that is the one I think Delhi's position in Milwaukee, in spite of how respected he is in terms of a locker room figure has become a lot more precarious. So I would go definite under, and who knows what way that one plays out and how quickly. It's one of those things, you know, maybe the books just want to retool some things now that they couldn't do in the summer in light of this deal. Maybe they'll look to make further moves soon, but I think at the very least, trade deadline comes around, the books are going to be shopping Delhi with a pick, most likely. They also have those trade exceptions, and... DeAndre right. Liggins' non-guaranteed deal, other factors to uh, 
hone in on over the next couple months. Absolutely. From at DB Sweeney underscore 2016. I was victim to recency bias a week ago saying the books had some struggles, but is Bledsoe really someone who would help defensively or could he help the books get more transition buckets that we have been lacking so far this year? I personally for now, uh, just because the defense, that's a whole other question. He has the length that is uh, the books have, you know, prioritized, but again, schematically, we talk about it all the time. Bucks have the defenders there. They just don't have the defense is not performing up to expectations. In terms of offense, I mean, he's a great transition player. He's a great pick and roll player. Um, I honestly think him and Brogdon are going to be a really good pair together. I like that fit a lot. That's why I kind of lamented. I think I might have said this on the pod where I where I said it's a shame that the Suns were you know stumping for Brogdon just because I think Brogdon and Bledsoe would make a fabulous pair where they kind of play off each other. And obviously with Giannis and Chris, I mean, this team is going to be fun. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and even the options in that, I mean, particularly if you look at the way Brogdon has started shooting this season. Oh, yeah. I mean, shooting like that. And we could go from a place where we were lamenting a lack of kind of lack of playmaking or the ability for guys to go and kind of score for themselves and now you could have units that you'd have Yanis, Chris, Bledsoe, and Brogdon all out there at once. You know, that's that's a hell of a lot of playmaking. And then even guys like Brogdon, guys like Tony Snell, they're going to have so much more space in their shots. Guys like Mirza. It's really promising. And I think in that regard, Bucks are second in the NBA in field goal percentage, third in three-point shooting before this trade. They are trends that I, I do feel are pretty sustainable for this team. That isn't where their problems lie, and I think they may only get better. We we could finish the season going, oh, you know, the books, uh, there would still, I'm sure, be people saying they can't shoot. They could be the best shooting team in the NBA. It wouldn't surprise me because although people will point to Bledsoe's unconvincing shooting, and that's fair, the guys on the roster who can shoot will now have more space than ever before. Yep. Yeah. Um, and remember, Mirza played with Bledsoe. There's some familiarity there. More importantly, as Mirza I said his, before. Mirza had his career year with Bledsoe. Career year, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think Bledsoe got hurt that year too, so it's small sample size, but still. Um, and again, this kind of getting Bledsoe, especially swapping for Monroe, because, I mean, they're polar opposites. They obviously played totally different positions. But having someone that can – that they can lean on to create plays and kind of open up the offense more when we talked about where it kind of just runs through the motion, swing around the perimeter, all that stuff. This gives them a chance to kind of tweak things as they go along and adjust. Fingers crossed that they do those adjustments, of course, but they have the talent upgrade. This is the biggest thing about it is that they have the talent upgrade. Now it's up to the coaching staff to put them in a position where everything kind of smooth, it runs smooth, smoother than we have seen through, you know, nine games. Yeah, and, I mean, the offense as it stands, you could put Bledsoe into it as an extra weapon, and the improvis- improvisational elements will still only get you so far. They will have to make systematic changes offensively. I mean, if they make them, that's great. If this current coaching group doesn't, well, then there will probably be another coaching group who would get a chance to sooner rather than later you don't make a deal like this and then just say okay we're just 
we're parked in here with the the staff we have and if they're not maximizing it well we'll allow them to keep failing to maximize it just to touch on the defensive end of the question like i, I wouldn't even say that one player can't save the books defense because the reality is five players can't save the books defense as you mentioned the books are now in a position where they they can put out starting lineups of five really good defenders really really good defenders and yet still be torched defensively it's not about just bledsoe coming in and fixing it he will fit what they're doing well so on those perfect nights that jason kidd i mean craves the books may be even better than ever defensively with bledsoe there but is he going to is he going to prevent the nights that aren't so perfect from occurring quite as often no, and it would be unfair to put that on him. I mean, you can't just look at Bledsoe and be like, where's his defense? You know, if if the book's defense isn't working out, I think individual defense is interesting. The books have a a guard-sized stopper now when they're playing kind yep. of top-level teams. So, I mean, they had players who could do that job in the past, but now late in the game, if you're coming up against the books, Bledsoe can be on the guard, and then you still have Tony Snell Chris Middleton, Yanis, all free Brogdon. to guard other players. Brogdon, Ton, John Henson, whoever it is you have in. You have players of all sizes now that are really, really well-equipped to kind of put pressure on opposing teams in late-game situations. So I think if there was one area defensively where I'd point to Bledsoe really helping the books, I think that might be the one. Late-game, when it's just kind of clock is winding down, a lot of the time, things are more simplified. Everyone is ultra locked in. Those situations, the books will be much better defensively. But then I don't know if they were their problem area to begin with. Yeah. How many times have we talked about guys like John Wall, uh, Westbrook, of course, um, Irving. Irving, even Ish Smith? He's, I mean, insanely quick. I mean, those types of dynamic ball handlers give the Bucks fits. We've seen that to start the year. We saw it last year. We saw it. Basically, it says the, the defense has gone downhill. Um, again, Bledsoe has the individual uh, tools to be a very good defender. Uh, the Suns haven't proved that, but again, the Suns are not a very good team. Um, so this will be a very good test case to see if he can be that kind of defender, especially when he was with the Clippers, that kind of six-man. Was he mini LeBron? Is that his, was his nickname or something like that? Yeah, that kind of player and – Again, he won't be asked to do as much as he was in Phoenix, so you would think that kind of uh, taking that burden off his shoulders a fair bit will open that side of his game even more. Right, and I think it's worth noting that time in the Clippers was when that defensive reputation really was born out of it. It wasn't something that came with yeah. the Suns. And in that time, of course, he was playing beside Chris Paul too, which he hasn't played beside a player of anywhere near equivalent talent level since then. So for him, this is a big, big move in terms of a chance to... It's, it's kind of funny and sad at the same time that he has moved for Greg Monroe because he is coming to the books in the same way Greg Monroe came to the books, which is desperate for playoff basketball. Bledsoe has been before, but it was 2013 was the last time he was there, and that was yep. more of a big part player with the Clippers. So kind of funny how that one has come about in moose being replaced by a player who is coming to milwaukee with similar hopes as he once had the next one from at jhelm920 do we trade someone jabari question mark for a legit rebounder and inside defensive presence 
I don't think you trade Jabari because you're not going to have cap space for the kind of legit rebounder and inside defensive presence that, you know, Jabari is going to be worth sending for. Like, I don't know what that is. Is that the, you're thinking of like a DeAndre Jordan type or something? Like, you're not going to be able to work that one out too easily. The books are going to have to be clever about that one. And I honestly think they should take their time on it because as much as we could lock into some sort of instinctive way of looking at this and that, you know, it's all about this season and they've got to get this like solved immediately and they can't be 500 after 30 games or 500 after 20 games. There, There is something a little bit bigger building this year and they're on the clock with Bledsoe already. They'll have this year and next year, but at the same time, you've got to make the right moves to build around that. The difference I think from previous years is we mentioned the kind of tools they have. They'll probably be active in trades. The books are one of those teams who will be a leading contender for buyout candidates this year. If any, that was already the case with Liggins having non guaranteed, but even more so now, like if any skilled big man, defensive big man, I suppose more than skilled, uh, skilled would be Greg Monroe, who the books wouldn't be able to re-sign anyway this year. But any defensive-minded, kind of high-caliber big man finds his way onto the free agent market late in the year, books will explore that. If any big man stands out, veteran big in the G League, Kendrick Perkins, I'm looking at you. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a joke, everyone, but I don't know, maybe it's not entirely impossible. The books will consider their options, and I do think we'll we'll see something happen with that. May not happen immediately, but I I definitely don't think you trade Jabari, and I think it's hard to trade someone for that anyway. They're going to be filling that in whatever way they can. Any trades they make from this point on are going to be about reducing salary, looking into next season and Jabari's free agency. And guess what? They already have the solution to this on their roster. Jabalomboy. Well, that too. Who looked good last time? Going back to the herd. Giannis. Center. Giannis. Yeah, I do. And I think we're I think that's obviously part of it's no coincidence that Jason Kidd has rebounder on the team. Jason Kidd has actually started to talk about Giannis at center in the last three weeks since the season started. Something he basically would never have acknowledged last year. So I don't think it's a coincidence that they're prepared to make a move like this now when that's in mind. I still don't think we'll see it all that often. You know, I, I think it's going to be very much dependent on matchups. And I think Kidd, as the kind of coach he is, will still be cautious of doing that. But certainly that is an option. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I, I do think uh, I was not necessarily joking about Joe Balomboy because he now, as a two way guy, does have more relevance than it ever seemed he had when that deal was signed because a slight injury to Ton or John Henson, he's not only going to be with the team, he's going to be getting minutes. And he was around the Utah Jazz last year, um, which is probably not a bad thing if you're going to need a young, kind of relatively unproven guy as a backup big man. I mean, he would have been going against Rudy Gobert in practice. He did start well for the herd last night. Who knows? Maybe he's someone who we end up seeing a bit of at some point in the season. It seems like a guarantee, effectively. Uh, But I think trading for the legit rebounder inside defensive presence is unlikely, more likely that you know, maybe a relatively big name comes the book's way in terms of buyouts. You know, 
everyone's talking about uh, Tyson Chandler in a potential trade. Tyson Chandler could be bought out this season and be someone who you get on a minimum deal later in the year, which at that point, I think both of us would change our tune on it. It's then like, okay, yeah. uh, that's worth a try. Like that's, uh, do you agree with that? I'm not being yeah, unrealistic. I, I, would be, I would be in on that way more on than acquiring him in his salary. Right. So I, th- I think there are still avenues for players like that that could just kind of make their way there. We'll see what happens. From at I'm the second S underscore Curry. Who's the first? I don't know. We'll put a poll out there and find Who's out. Who's on second? S. <laughs> I think Henson and Tan is not going to do it for the books. They're too weak and can't finish under the rim at all. What do you think about our centers? Giannis. <laughs> this is every center question that's just gonna be Giannis. Um Yeah, I mean we talked about it. Henson has been surprising to start the season, but you know, who knows how long that lasted. Even the Pistons game, he was kind of caught in between with Andre Drummond going in the line as much as he did and kind of wreaking havoc in the second half of that game. Thon, we've also talked about, I mean I think the last part we, we kind of intimated that maybe he could see some time with the herd, but uh, that has drastically changed since he's, you know, more needed than ever. He has minutes to open up. And obviously the Bucks are confident that he will stand the tide, turn the tide around this season since they, you know, traded one of their centers away. Um, but I think those are looming questions. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, Giannis is the kind of band-aid for that question, but how productive are, are Henson and Thong going to be for the rest of the season? Maybe Bledsoe help, helps them open open up, you know, opportunities on the offensive end and, you know, defensively if, you know, all those <laughs> lingering issues get sorted out in some way or the other. Um, but that's a big question. I mean, it was the Pistons game when Henson had 13 rebounds, wasn't it? That, that was the other thing. He helped. He His start of the game, I mean, his starts have been really good, personally, but he limited Drummond really well in the first half. Is what The second half is where everything kind of went, you know, went to crap. And not necessarily his fault either, because a lot of that was at the line. I don't think he was always the one to foul him. But look, I mean, the Henson thing, it's still too early to buy into. We're just going to have to kind of fool ourselves into buying into it to maintain our sanity for a couple of weeks and hopefully we'll be proven right. But, I mean, we'll see how it goes. It's not ideal. It's not the strongest center rotation in the world. It's very hard to have, you know, the perfect 15-man roster. And it, it, this is kind of back to what I was alluding to earlier. I, I would find it difficult to kill the books for, you know, they're too, too weak at center. There's a gap at center now when they've just got a major, major upgrade in the backcourt, which has maybe been their weakness for, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, Brandon Jennings was probably the last player who seemed like a solution. We know how that one ultimately played out. But Book's point card, you're going back to Sam Cassell for someone who really gave the book something over any significant period of time. Mo Williams was in that conversation until... Yeah. Kind of. He was in I the guess. conversation. He was, he was in the more conversation. So, more so than anyone else in between. Yeah. You know, having Bledsoe and Brogdon, that's your, your starting and backup point guard in whatever order at different times in the season. Like, that is just riches that the books haven't been able to 
to get. I, I think it's interesting because, like, I mean, we're at this nearly three years now. And over that time, Jordan, you and I have spent so, so long talking about point guards and how do the books and get. Centers. centers as well, but how do the books and get. Small forward point depth. <laughs> A lot of those things. But the thing that kind of comes through it now when you look at it is they managed to get Brogdon in the second round and they got Bledsoe for an expiring and protected first and second round pick. So not only did they get one point guard, they got two without doing a whole lot. And in a way, it's kind of funny because it shows just how quickly things can flip around the NBA and you could spend forever looking for the perfect point guard and putting all your eggs in that basket and then more naturally things can come about. Maybe the same will happen with center long term. Maybe that is kind of just will be Henson and Ton. Would seem strange, but who knows? Maybe they figure things out. There is an element to that where it's just kind of only time can tell. But yeah, center is an area of weakness, but you've got to have one area of weakness on your team. Every team does. For example, you're, you're right. no the Golden, Golden State say Warriors, they have an area a uh, weakness at center. JaVale McGee's yeah. Azat Pachulia is a weakness at center. The books are now really no different. And maybe in the same way that you go, your best lineup is with Giannis at center, like Draymond is at the Warriors, and then your other lineups will be kind of replacement-level guys at the center position. The next one, from at Jim with Jam. Now that the Bucks have stolen from Phoenix, do they go to jail? Question mark. Seriously, though, which center should we go out and try to trade for now? I guess to reiterate on this, I wouldn't be rushing to trade. Yeah, You see what might just fall into your lap later in the year. Any trades the books are going to make, again, focus is going to be getting off salary. Yeah. The Hibbard uh, trade exception lasts until the trade deadline, considering that that's how they shipped him off to Denver last year. So there's still plenty of time. Don't make a rush. Um, Though we saw what, uh, you know, how quick work they did with the Blesso trade. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, don't don't need to rush it. Things let things. This is already a big enough coup for the Bucks. Let's see how this works and address the roster in any other way that they can. And they again, they don't necessarily have to trade. Lakers is not guaranteed. They can easily pick up someone from free agency. Yeah, and there's a chance that you know if they do manage to make a trade of some sort where they are dumping stuff off. You know, maybe they're not really taking a whole lot back where they might have another open roster spot and still be keeping Ligans and looking things that way down the line. We'll see how that one plays out. The next question from a Sentinel of Mercy. Should the Bucks make a trade for Dragic, i.e. if all it takes is Snell and Vaughn? No, absolutely no. not. It's not, not needed. It makes no sense now. I mean, they've just got Bledsoe. They have Brogdon. They don't need Goran Dragic, and his contract would certainly not work very easily for them. Kind of bundled in with everything else, and then trying to find needs other positions. Vaughn, no one wants Vaughn. Vaughn is nothing now. Like, really, I'm not being mean about that. He He's worth nothing. So, yeah. you're talking about Snell for Dragic? I don't think the Miami Heat have any interest in doing that. And, hot take. I don't think that would make the books better at all. Tony Snell is They had the really opportunity good. to get Dragic uh, at the trade deadline a couple of years ago when they acquired MCW and they passed on it, knowing that he would 
he was a free agent and he didn't want to stay. So that ship has sailed. <laughs> if, if that was a ship to begin with. Yeah, it makes no point guard makes sense for the, should the books make a trade for at this point. Point guard is now not an area of weakness. I know we're so used to it, but we can all move past it now, finally. <laughs> From at Babaruski, can Bledsoe outscore all the points he'll be giving up without Moose in the post? Yeah, I, I think I mean, easily he'll outscore. <laughs> Monroe, yeah, I think so. But I mean, I even mean, even last year, I mean, Moose is what a he averaged thirteen point six. I want to say last. It was year. like eleven. It was like eleven something last year. Okay. And Bledsoe, if we just want to go with his career average, which includes kind of some some downs, which maybe is appropriate because he's going to be playing with Giannis. He won't have it all his own way. Like an eighteen point per game score. He will. I mean, the, the books. Scoring in the post, that's less about Monroe and, as we talked about on our last podcast episode, more about just being aggressive and going toward the rim. Bledsoe is certainly going to be aggressive and going toward the rim. You can't tell him to kind of settle out and play away from the basket. So that might be a positive in terms of getting to the line more, actually scoring in the paint. It's just not going to be as traditional post play. The one thing that I'll be intrigued to see, like... Conventional wisdom says that Greg Monroe isn't doing anything to help your spacing. I do think there were times where having an anchor who you could put down there that commanded attention did yeah. draw some guys away from the perimeter. It will be interesting to see if the book shooting kind of stays as it is in that regard. But at the same time, you now have more dangerous weapons out in the perimeter, so you can't dev- devote equal focus to everyone. And you probably won't want to. Like... If it's pick your poison, you're going to pick Tony Snell over Bledsoe or Giannis. And as Tony Snell has proven, he will knock down shots. So I think he can outscore those points. The The area that I'd be more worried, I, I think even forget Bledsoe versus Monroe. Uh, Monroe was pivotal in terms of offensive punch for the second unit. They should be able to get that kind of production out of the bench, though, with this trade. Because it may mean that Brogdon falls into that role. Later in the season, when Jabari comes back, maybe Jabari's in the second unit as well. Or even if Jabari starts, well, then you're dropping another starter out to the bench. That, like, hopefully we get to a point this year where the Bucks actually have plenty of options to keep both groups flowing very well. As strange as that sounds, like, if you watch the Bucks play the Pistons on Friday. Yeah. From uh, Bucks Nation 34. Should we expect to see more Brogdon at two lineups now? Yes. I, I think definitely. Um, I wouldn't expect to see it in starting lineups, barring injury at all, or even... Yeah, I, I wouldn't. You're making a face. Well, there's a question along mm-hmm. those lines, so maybe we'll get to that. But I think we'll see a lot of it in-game, and that will be fun, having... Like Brogdon has proven he's not the flashiest playmaker, but he's a very steady playmaker who will set up his teammates without making a whole lot of mistakes. To have that alongside Bledsoe, even with lesser players, having those kind of playmaking options will make easy scoring opportunities. So if you're worried about the quality of your options in your second unit, well, putting players who will give them higher percentage looks is one way of helping with that. I think the Bucks will have more lineups to do that with. From at Sucker Mint, 
how bad is that Delhi contract slash how sweet is that Henson contract looking now? Delhi contract is looking bad. I mean, there's no as now you're a lot of people would have said it was an overpay for your backup point guard. There's no doubt it's an overpay for your third string point guard. I would not say the Henson contract is looking sweet. Um, I mean, if he continues playing well, you go, okay, we're glad to have him, particularly considering the lack of other options at center. But I think the books would still rather say have a have a player with Henson's abilities paid probably at least $5 million less, $4 million less than Henson's currently on. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah. Delhi's contract is as good as a piece of avocado toast. I like avocado toast, Jordan. I've never had it, but I actually do kind of want to try it. It's good. I mean, don't I, I wouldn't make that comparison. Sorry, well, I'm just, sorry for I was, a few Delhi he, fans who are going to be very angry at this podcast. I, that's not, I'm, yeah, I misspoke, but he, I just, every time I see a Snapchat, he's eating avocado toast. It's good. That's why. Um, from at the Han Solo 13. Who the hell is going to rebound now? Giannis. <laughs> so Giannis was rebounding already. Like my gut instinct reaction to this is to reply with no one. No one is. The, the books have basically decided we are all in on not rebounding. And that is a bold, a bold move for them to make. But who knows? Maybe, maybe it can work. I think as much as rebounding is a big issue, it's not the issue it looks to be if you could solve some of your other problems. You know, they, if they were if they were adequate defensively, this team could get away with being dead last in the NBA in rebounding. Last time I checked, they were seventh in defensive rebounding percentage. Which it's pretty good. That's a, that's a big improvement. I mean, they're not the greatest rebounding team. They're still they're not dead last, they're <laughs> second to last, but we weren't even talking about that last year. Uh, uh, I think the thing the thing that doesn't change is they have above average rebounding players at basically four or five positions on the floor, and the one position they haven't had that at is center. Because even Greg Monroe, with his size and eighth. strength, eighth, or eighth right now. defensive rebounding percentage. Okay. But even Moose, with his size and strength, didn't always rebound up to what you would expect them to physically. So I think in that regard, the problem is still... You know, it just lies at center. They don't, they're bottom in rebounding because they don't have a dominant rebounding center. But then, I mean, if you look at the alternatives and what generally comes with those kind of guys, I mean, the Hornets have that in Dwight Howard. The Hornets are way out in front in most rebounding stats this season. Do you want Dwight Howard? Or would you rather put your emphasis on building your play in a different way? Do you want DeAndre Jordan like the Clippers have? Do you want Andre Drummond? It's it's a lot of the players who fit that kind of dominant rebounding mold. They're making it to where they are almost purely on rebounding. Yeah. Not entirely, but as much as anything else. And they often have pretty glaring weaknesses in other parts of their game. Not, not every big man that can rebound and play fantastic defense is Rudy Gobert. And it's I think it's also the case. There are good teams in recent years who have kind of... I mean, on the offensive end in particular, but overall, rebounding has been de-emphasized for a lot of good teams. Yep. The book's problem is that if you don't rebound and you don't defend, well, then you've got issues. Because if yeah. you're giving up first chance buckets, 
And then when a team does miss, they're getting second chance opportunities. You have no hope. Buckets. <laughs> From at my name's Jermaine. Hi, Jermaine. Where do you see the Bucks finishing in the East? Also, who do you think won the trade and why? I think we can both start with the second part of it very simply. It's the Bucks. Bucks. It's, it's very, very comfortable. I don't think that's coming through any sort of inherent biases we might have either. It's just it's tough to see what the Suns have ultimately got out of this, and that's before you'd even factor in what the Suns might make out of the cap space and potential draft picks to get out of this deal. Yeah. Where do you see the books fishing in the East? Now, that is a much more difficult question. My instinct right now is that I haven't really wavered from where I was before the season, and I think the books will ultimately finish fourth in the East. And that includes looking really bad defensively, rebounding really poorly. I think overall, over the course of the season, the books will still do enough and have enough talent to be the fourth best team in the East. And I, I kind of felt like that before this trade. I feel similar now. I don't know if this trade makes an obvious difference to where the books finish the season in terms of standings. But I think in game, it's really significant for how they can match up and how they can function. It, it will take pressure off Giannis as well, which is going to yes. be important later in the year. Like, he is human. Knocking on wood here, we've never had to deal with this, but you don't want to continue overloading him, not just with minutes, but with the kind of burden he's had early in the season. Mm -hmm. This is one significant way that you should be able to ease that because Chris Middleton on his own, okay, there, there are times where Chris Middleton on his own actually has helped to ease burden when Giannis goes off the floor. But now if you have the luxury saying, Giannis is off the floor, we have Bledsoe and Middleton together. Well, now you're really functioning at a different level. So it's kind of, I think all the small differences is where this deal will pay off rather than saying, well, before this trade, the books were a six seed. They're now the one seed. I, I just think they're going to be better equipped for any matchup on any given night with this move. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm like you. I, I don't think this changes much in terms of where they finish at the end, but in terms of in-game talent, the kind of lineups that kind of – there isn't that kind of split between roster where it free-flowing kind of opens up the court and then having Monroe who showed last year that it played well, but there was also his first season and the start of this season where it kind of – they looked like a, two different teams with one roster kind of thing. Um, above all else, this is the talent upgrade that they desperately needed, and they can't masquerade about not having the options that they ha didn't have. This is If this doesn't work, it's going to be Jason Kidd's head next. That's plain and simple. Yeah, and, and, and I think both of us agree on that, that it could be very soon as well. Like this, the pressure was on him. It is now piling on. I don't think it's – this isn't buying him more time as in, oh, we'll give you a chance to bet in Eric Bledsoe. If, if things were, I mean, really, if they're bad in any way, it doesn't have to be catastrophically bad. If they're bad a month from now, six weeks from now, around the turn of the year, I don't think there's any way he survives that. So yeah, it, it's real sink or swing, swim time for Jason Kidd. And I think that he could have no arguments that that's fair, considering the time he's been given up until this point. And now his front office have gone out and given him extra options. I mean, there isn't a lot to bemoan here. So another area that I just think it is worth noting this could pay off significantly is the postseason. 
you know, maybe we don't see this massive difference in how the books finish out the, the regular season. But one of the things that's been kind of put up against this team for years is who are they going to have when the pace slows down and they just need someone who can go and break down the defense by themselves. They've now got that guy. They got multiple. Right, but I, I think Bledsoe is almost the guy that you'd look to to do that more often. And that allows you to play Yanis off ball, which I don't think people realize how good Yanis is off the ball yeah. um, in terms of his movement and what you can do if... You know, it's pretty simple. And you look at how strong and athletic and powerful Yanis is. Okay, so imagine what the speed of Yanis coming at you with the ball in his hands is like. And then imagine when the ball is coming into a sweet spot for Yanis and he can go and attack the rim. It's just going to create a whole new range of opportunities. I think the playoffs could be particularly significant. I know Monroe was massive against the Raptors last year. Imagine that series, though, if instead of Monroe, the books had Eric Bledsoe. Oh. Uh, this year, Jordan, from a fear to dear one, is this the time for Tom to prove that he should be our starter, or will we continue to roll with Henson? I think they they continue to roll with Henson, but it's gonna be time for Tom to prove that he should be a contributor. I I don't think it's funny in the space of a few days, like we were talking a few days ago about he maybe should and probably would spend some time with the herd this year. Right now, that's not going to be an option. So, Tom is going to have to give something. He's going to have to give real minutes. And more than anything, Tom is going to have to avoid foul trouble. Because if John Henson gets in foul trouble, Tom will have to be in the game or be there as an option to relieve Giannis. I think that's the one area where the books would be most exposed is just if Tom can't find a way to stay on the floor. They'll need him there that, you know, if it's late in the game, he might have played 20 minutes, but if Henson picks up a sixth foul, he's there to come back in. That's going to be significant. That's something he's really going to have to kind of grow up on pretty quickly. Yeah, totally agree. Don't change it right now. Things are working with Henson. And as I said, both the written and podcast form, I think going in second units will kind of help Thon's confidence and kind of get him back on the right track. From at Nick Sark, what are we going to do about rebounding? We're getting destroyed with teams getting offensive boards and second chances. We've kind of answered this one so far. You've heard my answer. I'm guessing that right now Jordan Tresky is going to lean into the microphone and whisper a certain player's name. Giannis. From at David Roy 11, how does this affect us long-term salary-wise? Isn't he due for an extension after next year? Jabari 2, question mark. Are we screwed dollar-wise? They're not screwed dollar-wise, but they're in a very tough position. They don't have flexibility. This is what happens when you end up with good players and a good team, though. You can't very easily have a really competitive team and also have dollars to add more and more guys in free agency. It just doesn't really work like that. We may may have our kind of views of that skewed a little bit because the cap spike meant there was a couple of years where teams did have a chance to have lots of talented guys and dollars to get more, that time has passed. I, I think the Jabari question is the biggest one. And for as much as many books fans may have their doubts or even a lot of kind of experts around the league will question, you know, well, what did the books do with them? I really kind of firmly believe the books remain committed to bring Jabari Parker back next year and they will figure out what they have to, to do that. 
that may be at a price that's more than most people are comfortable with but i do think that will happen and in a lot of ways i understand it it's kind of the one thing i am respecting now like after a day like today about what the books are doing is they've got a generational talent the one thing they're not going to allow themselves to be accused of is not taking the risks to make it work yep. and that could be Jabari is a major risk with his health, as Eric Bledsoe was today. But he's talent who they have control of, who they can make sure sticks around. They might take the swing on that and go, okay, if everything works out here, it means championships. If it doesn't, we can at least say we tried, and Yanis will be able to say, they've done everything to build something around me. Maybe that will help him stick longer term. I don't think that should be kind of... I don't think that should be overlooked. I think I think it would be easy to say, you know, if they put so much money into Jabari that Yanis doesn't have options around them. Well, Bledsoe's here in the interim. They can figure out more as it goes along. And, you know, it will be very tough for them to keep Bledsoe by the time that comes up. At the same time, though... tough you'd... to keep Middleton and Brogdon. Right. I mean... that's, that's even later. But when all of that comes up, you don't know where the team will be at. And with the money this ownership group has kind of put into the organization in so many ways and obviously the public dollars that have gone into the new arena if this team is rolling and they are right there and just haven't kind of crossed the line when Bledsoe's going to hit free agency and those guys go to hit free agency after him they may have a big decision on their hands and it may be one where in those sort of circumstances they pay the luxury tax I want to say it was Jamie Dynan who spoke about this at media day that it is a kind of decision that they'll have to keep weighing up and consider when's the right time when's the wrong time to do that this year obviously wasn't the right time next year may be the right time and they might have to go a couple of years beyond that and see like there's going to be decisions to made on that we'll see but this is this is what happens salary wise if you want to have guys locked in the problems are the problems i mean you could get rid of delhi and mirza and things will still be pretty tight. That would allow you to sign Jabari to a significant deal to come back, and then you'd still be worrying about Bledsoe and fitting him in the next summer. So it's kind of part and parcel of becoming a team who have players worth paying. It's yep. just unfortunate the books do have two or three guys who their value is debatable. From at Berlick 54 how will Kid find a way to ruin it? <laughs> <laughs> the answer to this one, without being too smart is by doing exactly what he's done up until now yep it, it's that simple <laughs> exactly that you've got a new weapon who has skills that can be utilized very effectively by this team on both ends of the floor if you do exactly what you have been doing which has failed some of your current players it will probably also fail Eric Bledsoe and the team will fall short of what they should be able to achieve. So, I mean, it's more how will Kid find a way to make a success of it because to do that, I think he will have to make some changes. And that's something we haven't seen a whole lot of from Jason Kidd throughout his entire tenure with Milwaukee. That's the interesting question. That's the most important question. That is the question that decides whether Jason Kidd has a job with the books maybe not even next season, but three or four months from now. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. We'll see because backed up to a corner, maybe he will make changes. Plus, this is not the Bucks team that he came to from Brooklyn where he wanted all the power. All the power is on Milwaukee's side. Jason Kidd gets fired. He's not going to find another job where he's going to have Giannis 
and the kind of supporting cast that Giannis now has, this yeah. is his best chance to really carve a niche for himself as a coach. If he digs his heels in and doesn't make changes on things that continue to fail the books, I mean, he's only going to be hurting himself. So if struggles continue, maybe this will prevent them. Maybe we're overacting to begin with, which, I mean, my hand is raised for that one. I think that would have been the appropriate answer. Maybe he'll make adjustments. Maybe he won't. We'll find out. From at Sentinel of Mercy, can Bledsoe, Brogdon, Snell, Cash, Giannis be the answer to small ball? Yes. I think so. It's a, it's a hell of a lineup. Um, I That lineup is so bold that the question again would be when would Jason Kidd ever turn to that group? But if he does, wow, that would be fun. I mean, and I mean, even a even a slightly less extreme version. Let's say Brogdon isn't in the lineup, or Snell isn't in the lineup, and you put Ton at center, you're still going to have five guys who'll be able to play in a small style, and you'll have really good spacing. So we'll see what way they go with that. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lineup that'll be fun to watch go up against some of the best small ball groups in the NBA. From a poker resort, after losing all of our games with Moose out of the lineup, how will Bledsoe change our obvious problems of lack of defense and second team? He won't. Simple. He may solve other issues that were there, maybe issues that weren't as obvious in terms of the damage they were doing to the books, but areas where you know improvement could push the books over the edge. He's got to bring good individual defense. The second unit will probably get more scoring out of whatever combination of him and Bledsoe ultimately, or him and Brogdon that ultimately ends up there. The defense and the rebounding are the two things, though, that they're more on the style the books play, defense in particular. It's on the scheme, and, you know, that's a bigger issue. It's not just going to be solved by him, and it's not on him to solve it. That's on the coach. Yeah. <laughs> Again, um... <laughs> It's everything's in Jason Kidd's court to make it all work. And there's no excuses. No excuses. From at Dawkins 12D, can we pursue Mandaugas Kuzminskis? Low key fits with our team, big enough to play center. I I really like Mandaugas Kuzminskis. I just don't know what world this is the next move the books make. I don't even know what's is he minimum kind of salary? I mean, what do the books do to get him? He's not really playing in New York either, as far as I've seen this season. Yeah. I I mean I, I don't know. <laughs> I also think it's big enough to play center in the same way that I mean, there are other guys in the books roster who are big enough to play center, but Jason Kidd may not necessarily see them as centers. So I don't know if that'll be the most obvious option. But yeah, he's a nice player. Um, from at Griffin Grove Zero, does anyone beside Giannis average more than 20 points per game on this team now? And then when Jabari comes back? Over 20 points, what do you think? For Jabari? Anyone besides Giannis, do they average more than 20 points on the team now and when Jabari comes back? No. Although... You- you could no, have multiple no, no. guys close, which is really, I mean, as important and as good as if Middleton could be at 18, if Bledsoe can be at 18, if Jabari can come back and be around that. I mean, then you have no problem scoring the ball. 
I do think this will probably eat into some of Giannis' scoring. Maybe one of them does get over the 20 points per game and we see Giannis drop off a little, but Giannis that dropping pace, off a little. I mean, his pace is going to drop off no matter what, considering how... I mean, I, I think it has already. I, I, think, I actually think where oh, it's yeah, now yeah. Is, is probably pretty reflective because I think it is balanced. He's had a few lower games. He's had the crazy sky-high games. I, I think the actual sample size we've seen of Giannis will probably be pretty representative of the season. I'd expect him to be around 30 points per game at the end of the year. One would hope. From at Armchair Books. Should Milwaukee target Jaleel Okafor now to fill the new void at the five? Already bad rebounding team going to need somebody. No, he's not a very good rebounder anyway to, to solve that. And I just don't think it makes sense to acquire him now considering he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. If he really, if he really makes sense and you want him, just wait till next summer. Wait till next summer. And uh, the Sixers are reportedly still looking for an actual asset for him, even though they have no interest in him, and he's yeah. going to be a free agent. So uh, you don't give up anything for that player. Like if everyone in the NBA has given up hope on him completely, and you can get him at a minimum deal in the summer, I would say go do that. That's a really good gamble to take at zero cost, essentially. But um. I mean, what he's in the f- must be three, four million dollars this year. No, it's higher because you're third pick. He's probably over five then, right? I think it's like close to six. Wow, I mean, like the books can actually make that. That's the kind of salary range the books would struggle to make. And work. if he, the other thing too, if he really, I mean, he's talked about wanting to get a buyout. He might be a buyout candidate. It's true. I was yeah. right to begin with, 4.78. Sorry, oh. sorry, this year, 4.9. So he's literally kind of oh. 5 million. Uh, that's not an easy kind of... That's not a trade exception. Yeah. I will say, I, I don't think he's someone they should pursue, but if that is an option at some point that just kind of falls into their lap, well, then you go, okay, let's try this. Giving up something for a guy you could walk in the summer, and even if he didn't walk is another player who, I mean, there's still a chance he will command more than minimum. Some team with no players worth pinning their hopes on will happily give Jilly Loka for two years, 10 million, you know? Yeah. Uh, the books won't be able to afford that. So it doesn't really move the needle. Uh, from Dave Colum, with Bledsoe and Henson, shouldn't the book starting defense be elite? Should already be a top defense already i mean they didn't need bledsoe added for that from a personnel perspective so yeah exactly i mean it's not about the scheme is there a coach out there who could build an elite defense with this group the answer is yes yeah that that isn't the coach the books have right now i mean if anything kid is looking to build the most elite defense the world has ever seen (laughs) and it's just not exactly going to fruition for him yep from at applander Projected starting a lineup, question mark. Where you go, Jordan? You're the one dropping hints earlier. I honestly think they go Bledsoe, Brogdon, Middleton, Giannis, Henson. I think saying that, though, I do wonder what that does for Snell's confidence since he has blossomed in that starting role. But I really like that lineup. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't like. I don't like it for what it does to the second unit. I mean, I no problem with it in the flow of a game, but based on its current play, I mean, there's no way I'm taking Tony Snell out of the starting lineup. I mean, that would be a big discussion with Jabari coming back. Never mind anything else. But right now, I just can't take Tony Snell out of the starting lineup. And I think it makes more sense to have some sort of like because what if what if you're giving that group a significant amount of run together, which is a lot of what they do now. I mean, Yanis comes out at a different time. The other four guys can often go pretty close to the same. So what? Then you're taking Bledsoe and Brogdon out to bring Delhi in. I mean, you don't have to do that. That's the whole idea of this trade. Remember who we're talking about. <laughs> Remember who coaches this team. <laughs> yeah, well, but these are the sort of things where this, these will decide how long we're talking about that person as a coach of the team because you've yeah. got to get these things right. I mean, if you want to get them wrong, yeah, start Brogdon and Bledsoe together and bring Delhi in after eight minutes. I mean, but I, I think the answer for me is definitely Brogdon to the bench, and that's by no means a demotion. He's been excellent. He can be a great second unit leader. He can, he can he also finish games. Year. Right, exactly. And I don't think they need a set starting lineup. You can pick from these guys. You have that many options now that you can say, will we go Snell? Will we go Brogdon? Will we go Middleton? Who, who is it in this situation is playing well enough on this night that we turn to them? So my projected starting lineup would be Brogdon to the bench, Bledsoe to the starting lineup. Jordan, well, Jordan's a bit weird. I like to roll the dice. From uh, Zach underscore Faden, are we the best team in the NBA? No. <laughs> no, no Not at bit. all. We're very excited, and we will say no. <laughs> uh, and lastly, from at Maddie Ice 2 ish, do you think this put kids under more puts kid? Not puts kids. Um, also, kids. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't talk on that. Do you think this puts kid under more pressure if he continues to lose, even with the addition? That is absolutely undoubted. Yes, yeah. It, the timer has long started on him, and it's just started to move even faster. How many minutes to midnight are we? Eleven. Someone has someone has juiced the stopwatch right now. Yep. I I really do think the turn of the year would be a surprise if this books team isn't probably a couple of games above 500 considering the trade they've just made at that point. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, so, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think there's... <laughs> I really think... It, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. There's so much, so many outcomes in how long kid lasts that I could see. It could end a week from now. It could end two weeks from now. It could end so... Like, it could... I mean, he could be here longer to everyone's sure good, but I'm just saying this is every this is an all-in type move. The chips are at the table. They didn't have to give much up for it, obviously. But they're saying, hey, you got a bona fide starter on your roster, a rotation player at the bare minimum. You got to do what you can with this roster now. And we'll see. Yeah, and because he's only there for two years, Blood, so you can't just go, well, let's wait the two years out and then decide on the coach and go, oh. Well, we got a really good coach, and we wasted one of our big chips on the last guy. So, it's got to make it happen. The pressure is really well and truly on. And I know a lot of people won't like this. It won't be a popular thing to say. It would not surprise me if he does enough to be there at the end of the season, because it won't necessarily all be about Jason Kidd. It will be about the talent on the roster as well. This team could still find ways to 
do very impressive things like they were doing a couple of weeks ago. You know? Yes. Like before the three-game losing streak when everyone was generally pretty optimistic about the season. That could just literally flip a switch. I, th- I think they'll lose in Cleveland and San Antonio. My own personal thoughts on that. Would I be surprised if they win those two games and beat the Lakers? No. This is, this is what this team can do. They will just switch it on and switch it off. That's really a big part of the problem. Um, we will see, but the pressure is on Kid to deliver with the players he now has. Take it to the limit, bro. Just as we started with Jordan singing, we will finish with Jordan singing. Uh, we appreciate all of you who have listened to this it went on probably a little bit longer than we anticipated but you sent in tons of questions and as always we wanted to make sure we got through all of them for you so we hope you enjoyed that we will be back on friday not thursday we record on thursday i keep mixing these up in podcasts i'll get there eventually but we'll be back with all of you on friday with some herd talk there should be plenty to talk about there. Fun first game. If you weren't watching, make sure to tune in on Wednesday night when they play the Salt Lake City Stars. We'll also have some more books. Probably a little bit. And we'll have the mailbag. And in the meantime, and before all that, we'll have so much writing on Behind the Book Pass. If you haven't already, go and read it. Jordan and I were writing all day. Me more than Jordan, but we won't have that argument on, on air. <laughs> Go read it. Go reward our writing. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Add us on Stitcher. You can also favorite us on TuneIn Radio. Again, follow us on Twitter at WinIn6Podcast. Too many of you aren't doing that yet. Go and fix it. I followed them. It. What do I say? Um. Us. You followed us, Jordan. <laughs> We'll be back with you again in a couple of days. Enjoy the Bledsoe celebrations, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.